Hey guys, uh, happy July 3rd. Um, this is, uh, it's super hot out, ridiculous hot out. Um, and I do this every quarter. Well, this is the third time I've done this. Every quarter I recap the five best movies that I saw in the previous quarter. Um, this is for my For the Love of Film podcast. Um, I see a lot of movies, as some of you who follow me probably already know. Um, and uh, first of all, I will sing the praises of MoviePass all day long. Uh, just for, for those of you curious at home, I don't spend you know twelve to fifteen dollars every time I go to the movies. MoviePass is a has, it's a monthly subscription. I pay ten bucks, and then I can see one movie a day. So anyway, uh, hi Bob, hi Jim. Um, right now, I'm recording the first uh, the first half of this. Whoever's watching this will be the first half of the the podcast I'm recording. Um, hi, Ray. Um, but I am going to, for this live video, uh, you'll get to see it before the podcast goes up. This is me re- recapping my five favorite films of the second quarter of 2018. This was a little tough, actually. I have a list of eight movies that I narrowed it down to, and it was really just kind of a, you know, splitting hairs to, to try and figure out uh, what the five best movies I saw in the second quarter were um, they're in no particular order and yes I will address the fact that I have a pink wall that I'm leaning against um, the place that I've been living in that I'm vacating after tomorrow hopefully um, I already have a new place I'm just moving stuff over and uh, uh, hey John Mark um, I'm just putting off uh, I I didn't see Paddington 2 <laughs> Bob uh, Bob Scam and is weighing in at padding two is the one of the best films he saw in this second quarter. But uh, yeah, there's a pink wall here, and it's it's too damn hot to move right now. So I'm waiting until it uh, waiting until it cools off a little bit uh, later in the day to move some more of my stuff. So without further ado, um, in no particular order, the five best films that I saw uh, for the second quarter of 2018 were. Uh, a Quiet Place, uh, the Emily Blunt, John Krasinski horror thriller. Um, very, I, I thought it was scary, incredibly well done. John Krasinski also directed and co-wrote it, and I really wasn't, I, I had no idea that he had something like that in him. Uh, he's most well known as Jim Halpert on The Office, the American version of The Office, but uh, it was a really, really scary and uh, heartbreaking film, but really enjoyed it. Um, another movie, another another horror thriller, psychological horror movie uh, that is in the top five is Hereditary. Now, I know some people who uh, liked it, some people who didn't like it. Uh, partic- I think I think whether you liked it or not will kind of depend on how many horror movies you like, but or, or how many horror movies you watch. Um, I'm someone who doesn't watch a ton of horror movies, but, uh, thought it was incredibly well acted. Um, great cinematography, great use of score. Um, the the script left a little to be desired, particularly in the third act. Um, uh, if you were a fan of the film, the witch, uh, it is very, it's a spiritual cousin to that film. Very similar. Uh, so if you like the witch, I would definitely recommend that. Um, another film top five, uh, would be the film disobedience, uh, Rachel McAdams and Rachel Weiss play, 
Uh, I did not see Girl Scout Nookies Volume Six yet, Sparky. Um, it's on my uh, it's on my Netflix queue. Um, uh, <laughs> Disobedience. Uh, it's it's about a, a woman who was sort of disgraced from uh, uh, Hasidic Jewish community in England and returns after her father, who is the rabbi of that community, passes away. And, you know, really about community and shame and love and uh, very well acted. Um, exceptional performances from both of the Rachels. Uh, the fourth film... That was one of the top five films of the second quarter of 2018, is Tully. Um, now, Tully did not do all that well, but uh, it's Charlize Theron uh, starring in uh, Jason Reitman-directed uh, Diablo Cody's script. It's the third time that Jason Reitman and Diablo Cody have worked together, Juno being one and then Young Adult being another. Um but uh, incredible performance by Charlize Theron. She's an actress who I was, I've always recognized she was a good actress, but never really just clicked with me. And then, you know, from Mad Max, Fury Road on, she's, she's done some really interesting work. It's exceptional performance from her. Uh, Mackenzie Phillips also, uh, who, who was also seen in Blade Runner 2049 is excellent in this. And, um, Nobody really saw it. It kind of came and went from the theaters within a few weeks, and I don't know if I—I I don't know if it was technically a box office bomb, but it didn't do, I think, what they were expecting. But it's an exceptional film. Uh, it's certainly worth checking out on Redbox or on demand or however you watch movies. Um, clearly, my preferred method of seeing films is in the theater, which I'll continue to do so. But uh, yeah, Tully, I would certainly recommend. Uh, sorry. Mackenzie Davis, yes. Mackenzie Phillips was from One Day at a Time. She was the daughter of uh, uh, two of the mamas and the papas, I believe, um, and also the half-sister of Bijou Phillips. Thank you, Bob, for uh, keeping me honest. And then um, the last film of the top five of the second quarter of 2018 uh, is a movie that I'm about to review in the second half of this podcast, which won't be on this live video, but if you want to listen to for the Love of Film podcast. The new episode should be up in the next day or two, including a review of this film, which is Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is the documentary about Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and uh, an exceptional film. Uh, highly recommend that. So, yeah, those are my top five picks for the second quarter of the year. Um, I'm doing this mainly for myself, so at the end of the year when I do my year-end top ten, uh, I can kind of refer back to this and pick stuff out. Um, th I've seen a lot of movies this year, not as many as my buddy Bob, who we do we do occasional uh, Burgers with Bob episode where we go see a movie and then and then go to a burger joint and and review the movie over burgers. But uh, Bob has seen over 150 movies, I believe he said. I'm at I think 77, 78 for the year. But uh, yeah. I'm going to have a new episode coming up in a day or two, and then I will have another episode piggybacking right on that uh, towards the end of the week. Uh, I hope everyone has a great 4th of July. If it's really hot where you are, which it's really hot here, um, and you want to do something alternative to being outside, 
definitely watch Steven Spielberg's classic Jaws, which takes place over the 4th of July weekend. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? See Jaws. But, uh, uh, yeah, hope you guys all have a uh, great Independence Day, and thanks for watching my tomfoolery. So, um, yeah, piggybacking on that, the live video is is done being recorded, but uh, um, we're still... We're still chatting about movies. So, um, yeah, since I had brought it up at the end, Won't You Be My Neighbor certainly uh, was an exceptional film. Uh, directed by Morgan Neville, who uh, also made the excellent documentary 20 Feet from Stardom about the backup singers um, who have been involved in so much rock and roll over the years. Um, uh, I... There were a few things that I didn't know about Fred Rogers that this kind of opened up for me, but um, if anything, it just kind of reaffirmed um, what, as a child, I had known uh, that Mr. Rogers was kind of something special. But when you're a kid, a lot of stuff you you kind of take for granted because you assume what your experience is, is how everyone else is and how the world is, and... That's not always the case, and, uh, you know, it's really a great portrait of how Fred Rogers was just um, an example of the best of what humanity can be, and, um, yeah, um, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, you know, I had said in the months coming up to it, um, because I'd seen the preview multiple times, just seeing the preview uh, had me, you know, at several points had me welling up with tears, so... The full movie, you know, I was maybe four or five minutes into the film when the first set of Many Tears came. Um, you know, even just thinking about it, it, it gets me choked up. Um, what just an honest, uh, compassionate and decent human being Fred Rogers was and how hard he worked to kind of in- include everyone, make everyone feel that they were special. And, you know, the, the argument can be made that, you know, it's that sort of mentality that has, has, has broken a generation, the millennials. Um, but I disagree. And it also, you know, Fred Rogers was on the air far, far before millennials were, uh, even, even part of this world. Um, you know, I'm Generation X, and I grew up with Mr. Rogers, and he had already been on the air for several years when I first started seeing him. So some of the things I didn't know were just how radical he was uh, by having, you know, an African-American police officer on, on his show. It was done intentionally because of the racial tensions in the United States at the time, and uh, a simple skit that he had, or a segment, I guess, not a skit, where he was talk- it was a summer day, and he was trying to cool off, so he had his feet in a little wading pool in the backyard, and he invited Officer Clemens to come and put his feet in the pool with him, which he did, which was a, um, you know, uh, at that point, uh, African-Americans were being forcibly removed from whites only pools. And this was, it was a radical thing for, 
you know, a white man to share a pool, even if, even if it was a tiny kid's wading pool, have his feet in, in, uh, in the pool with an African American man. Um, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things you take for granted a lot. Uh, the impact that Fred Rogers had, but, uh, yeah, definitely go see Won't You Be My Neighbor if it's playing near you. I'm sure it'll be on streaming services soon, but, um, you know, as far as the documentary goes, it was a little slow moving, but I was okay with that. I was just kind of savoring the, the portrait, um, and just the, the wealth of archival interview footage was amazing. Uh, I would give it a, I would give it a solid eight out of 10. Uh, before that I saw, um, first reformed, which is, a a drama film sort of turns to a, a dark place towards the end, uh, written and directed by Paul Schrader, Paul Schrader's biggest claim to fame. He, he co-wrote four screenplays for that Martin Scorsese directed the, you know, the most well-known being taxi driver and, uh, raging bull after that. And, you know, it, it's gotten a lot of acclaim and it, you know, it, it, it stars, Ethan Hawke as a, a troubled minister of, of a Protestant minister uh, struggling with his faith and morality after uh, you know a young young wife comes to see him concerning her husband and some concern she has about him, and then he gives some pastoral counseling and sort of the events that happen after that. Um, Amanda Seyfried plays the wife, and then uh, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, who used his, his real name, Cedric Kyles, in this, um, he plays a, a minister of a much bigger church that sort of is in the same parish that um, kind of oversees the First Reformed Church. Uh, well acted. Uh, one of the things, and it took me a little while to pick up on it, but one of the things that was striking in this film is up until maybe the last 20 minutes of the movie, there's no, uh, there's no real score to speak of. Uh, the, the, the music was composed, conducted, performed by a gentleman named that uses the name Lustmord. Uh, he's, he's probably most well known in the United States for doing a couple remixes of some tool songs about, 10 years ago or so he works, you know, he did an album with the Melvins, um, uh, but it's very dark kind of minimalist stuff. But, um, you know, uh, this film has gotten a bunch of acclaim and, you know, Paul Schrader has written and directed quite a few movies himself. But to be honest, when I looked at the list, cause I knew I had seen a bunch of them uh, as much as, He's well known for his work with Scorsese. The stuff he's done on his own has kind of not been great. Um, even the stuff that, of the four films that he wrote with Scorsese, one of them was The Last Temptation of Christ, which, in my opinion, is a garbage film. Um, one of the, you know, one of the worst, one of the worst films by a talented director I've ever seen. Um, you know, there was sort of a, to go on a little tangent for a second, there, 
this was a film that, when it came out in 1989, there was a lot of controversy around it. There were even a, a few bombings at movie theaters. Um, it's an alternate depiction of the the life of Jesus Christ, and particularly his the last couple weeks of his life before the crucifixion, and a lot of uh, um, fundamentalist Christians had a problem with this. Uh, so as a result, um, many top critics gave it great reviews. Um, it's not a good film. In fact, it's a pretty terrible film, but not for the reasons that a lot of the, the, um, uh, fanatical Christians complained about it. It's just a poorly written film. So, um, and, and, and most of Paul Schrader's films, uh, that he's done separately, are not that great either. Um, you know, uh, he did the remake of Cat People from 1982, uh, which, you know, the biggest claim to fame for that is that uh, David Bowie wrote the theme song with uh, Giorgio Morota, and uh, he also directed American Gigolo, which I have not seen in years, but um, based on the other stuff that I've seen of his uh, recently, I'd say that it's probably not that great. Uh, I mean, Affliction with uh, Nick Nolte was pretty good. Autofocus was, uh, but he also did The Canyons with Lindsay Lohan, which was like a like a softcore erotic film. So, I guess the fact that I was a little puzzled and wanting a little bit more by First Reformed shouldn't be a surprise because that's been how most of Paul Schrader's films are. Um, excellent performances, excellent performance by Ethan Hawke, uh, Amanda Seyfried, who, uh, I still don't know if that's how you say her name, Seyfried, uh, Seyfried, I don't know how to say her name, but, uh, someone who I've never taken much notice of, uh, you know, she was, she was one of the best parts of the Gringo, which I saw earlier in the year, and she was excellent in this, as was Cedric the Entertainer, it was nice to see him in something that wasn't a broad comedy. Um, but ultimately it was a fairly disappointing film. I'd give it a, I'd give it a, give it a five out of 10. Um, you know, uh, it's got, it's gonna have a very limited, uh, uh, audience appeal, limited audience that it's shooting for. And, you know, there was only five other people in the theater when I saw it. And when it ended, uh, it ends fairly abruptly, and one of the people in the theater said, that's it. Uh, so if you see it, you might have a similar feeling. Um, I also saw Solo, a Star Wars story, again, a third time. I saw it with a friend of mine who um, has some some medical issues, so can't get out all that often, but you know, is a big Star Wars fan as well. So, um, And as I had said in my previous reviews of it, uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it, and you know I'm always looking for an excuse to go see a Star Wars movie. So uh, saw it again. Uh, no real new revelations. Um, but you know, the, it's a fun movie. The pacing's not great in it. The story is kind of meh. Um, but like I said, it's it's a Star Wars movie, so I'm I'm going to enjoy it regardless. Uh, and then the last movie that I saw, which is actually the first of these movies that I saw, was uh, Ocean's 8, uh, directed by Gary Ross. 
Um, it's a spinoff slash reboot of the Ocean's 11, 12, 13 trilogy. Uh, Sandra Bullock plays George Clooney's character, Danny Ocean's uh, sister. Uh, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Sarah, Sarah Paulson, Rihanna, Mindy Kaling, Hel- Helena Bottom Carter, and then this new actress, Aquafina. I, I don't know how new she is. I've only been aware of her in the last year or so. We're, in, we're the eight in it. Um, you know, it's an all-female heist, jewel heist movie. You know, the stakes are very low in this movie. It's It's a bunch of actresses, most of whom... Uh, are excellent actresses. All of them are good. Uh, you know, even the ones I don't particularly like, Mindy Kaling, uh, is specifically what I'm thinking of, but uh, uh, Helena Bonham Carter is kind of hit or miss for me. She, you know, she generally plays odd ducks, and she's certainly an odd one in this one. Um, you know, it it your enjoyment of it will really depend on how charming you find Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett and to a lesser degree, um, Anne Hathaway. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, the, the caper that they pull off doesn't seem as involved or as intense as any of the ones in oceans 11, 12 or 13. Uh, there's a couple little cameos from, characters from those movies uh none of the big actors are in this but and then they leave it they they certainly leave it open for a possible sequel slash a crossover um the question of whether or not Clooney's character is alive or dead is left ambiguous in this um you know it was uh it was fun it was a light movie it wasn't uh you know it was a fairly forgettable script but you know all capable, funny, talented actresses um, kind of pulling off a, a big crime without breaking a sweat. Uh, I I enjoyed it. Didn't love it, but, you know, I didn't love any of the Oceans movies. They're fun, entertaining movies, uh, and you, you could certainly do a lot worse than that series, but, you know, I'd give Oceans 8 a 6. Um, I don't even know if it's playing around here anymore, but I'm sure it made money. Uh, let's take a look. I don't know why I'm guessing. I've got the page open right here. Uh, yeah, so it, it cost $70 million to make. It made $210 million, so it tripled its budget. So that's a success as far as I can tell. Um, yeah, but uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this episode will hopefully go, come out soon, and then there'll be another one at the end of the week because i got three more movies that I've already seen that i got to talk about. But, uh, yeah, again, thanks for listening. <laughs>